0: So welcome back, everyone, to the Rural Matters Podcast. This is John White, your host of uh, what we think is the leading podcast uh, for rural matters across the country, rural education, health and the economy. We try to bring you great guests each episode who talk about important issues, um, innovations and matters that affect their communities. So today we have Selena Colbertson. She's the prevention coordinator from Dickinson County Behavioral Health Services in Clintwood, Virginia and uh, Selena correct me if I'm wrong but I think the area where you're calling from is sort of in the far west corner of the state of Virginia, Appalachian <laughs> Mountain region. describe where your your community is introduce the guests who are joining you on the podcast. And let's have a great conversation.
1: Okay, that sounds great. We're actually far southwest Virginia. We're very close to the Kentucky-Tennessee line. Um, We're a community of close to 15,000 people, uh, very, very rural. And today we have with us Seth Baker. He is our um, Commonwealth Attorney. And we have Jason Dotson, who is in the recovery community and Amy Duncan, she's with the Virginia Office of the Attorney General. We all sit on a local community coalition called the Dickinson County Community Partners for Prevention Coalition. It's a long name. Wow, we have a lot of people on the line and a
0: long name, and an attorney. That makes me a little nervous. That's okay. I, I just prosecute
2: people now I just <laughs> put them in jail, I, so I
0: don't. So... <laughs> That's great. So let's kind of start off the conversation by just kind of framing for everyone your region of the country. I'm sure it's a beautiful region with mountains and rivers and small town of communities. If I'm not mistaken, I think you're in the part of the state where the Trans-America Bike Route, bike route comes through, which I think uh, you're in a beautiful part of the state. Tell everyone what life in Dickinson County is like.
2: Well, we have a, a beautiful county uh, full of uh, rivers, streams. we got a nice lake, John Flanagan uh, Dam and Reservoir. Uh, We've got a lot of access to national forest, uh, Birch Knob, uh, a lot of, a lot of scenery, a lot of animals. Uh, we have a lot of coal resources, also natural gas, uh, a lot of timber, beautiful mountains, uh, beautiful people, beautiful everything.
1: And we also have, uh, we're very fortunate to have the Grand Canyon of the South, um, that's known as the Brakes Interstate National Park, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, lots of opportunities for out, outdoor activities.
0: I've never heard of Grand Canyon of the South. I learned something on every one of these podcasts. So it's the, miss,
1: yeah, the mini Grand Canyon is what they call it. It's what it's known
0: for. Very nice. Go ahead. Someone else was saying something. Well, I just said one of our greatest exports
2: are our people. Uh, we've got a very, uh, I guess, uh, high unemployment rate and other issues. Not a lot of jobs left. I think we're one of the only counties in Virginia that does not have a four-lane highway.
0: Uh, okay. So now we're getting into the challenges of uh, many rural areas with the loss of population. I'm sure brain drain with, uh, with young people. Let's talk a little bit about those challenges in your parts of the, your part of the state and, uh, and, you know, what are the biggest barriers to, to the future of your, of your young people to the future of your economy? Let's, let's dig into some of those challenges. Okay. So, um,
1: Traditionally, we are a cold community, and and it's no um, secret that that industry has faded away, which has resulted in a lot of job loss um, in Dickinson County, so the economy has suffered tremendously. Um, We've recently completed a community needs assessment in Dickinson County, and of course the economy and poverty are two of uh, the biggest barriers in Dickinson County, but when we were looking at the bigger picture, it kept going back with the opiate epidemic that we have in Dickinson County. And through the research and data collection, we have discovered that Dickinson County is number one in the state for overdose death rates and number six in the nation. And that number is just appalling just simply because we're a small community of, you know, 15,000 people to be number six in the nation. overdose death rates and that's something you know that we as a coalition we've got to change those numbers because we have too many beautiful resources and good things going on in Dickinson County and we've got to change the climate
0: and I assume that impacts your young people and your schools as well
1: it does and the uh, family um, management problems um, have increased. You have grandparents raising grandchildren, or raising their grandchildren, because the parents, for whatever reason, whether it's um, alcohol, drugs, um, mental illness, um, are unable to care for their children. And now, um, I've been in this business for on 20 years, and we're now seeing great grandparents that are actually raising their great grandchildren.
0: Mm.
2: We're seeing a, a lot of effort, and at least at a national level uh a focus on the opiate crisis and here in Dixon County we've actually been an opiate crisis for probably over 20 years now mm-hmm. uh, the rest of the nation is just now seeing it uh, as the rural appalachians had it for a long time starting with oxycontin in the late 90s
0: so so why do you think it's it has it gotten worse why is it so prevalent right now and you and I think you told me that it's actually expanding into other areas
2: I think so, and I think it all starts back out with the opiate crisis, Uh, and like I said, it started here around 1996. It's actually created other crises uh, that we have now that we're facing, and it all relates back to the opiate crisis. As a prosecutor now, I see the number one abused drug in Dixon County is Suboxone, which is, everybody knows, is supposed to be helping you get off of uh, uh, opiate pills, but now it's the number one drug abused. That's what our task force is buying and it's even sprung over to Neurotin, although it's supposed to be an, uh, an unscheduled drug. And I think they're getting ready to correct that. It is now being purchased on the street. People are no longer are getting the access to the opiates that they once had. So now they're purchasing Suboxone illegally and Narotin and abusing it.
0: Wow. And this is Seth Baker speaking, correct? That is
2: correct. Seth Baker, I, I, people are abusing Narotin to the uh, pace of taking 25 to 30 pills a day.
0: Mm. So this might be model. something that other communities that other communities see as as this goes goes longer. Because they're on not longer. seeing
2: that they're going to see it. The doctors are starting to uh, step down prescribing the opiates. You can't get the. Uh, 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 opiates like you once could, your Lortabs, your Percocets, whatever. So these doctors are starting to prescribe Neurontin instead, and people are learning the ways to abuse it. They even cocktail it with other stuff, such as Xanaxes, alcohol, and other drugs. And it's actually becoming a drug of choice because it's so easy to get.
1: And rarely... Screen for.
2: Yes. Most of the drug screens that we have nowadays don't even detect it unless you specifically request for it at the lab.
0: Wow. So let's talk a little bit about uh, coalition building and strategies to combat this. Uh, who can talk about that a little further?
1: Well, this is Selena again. I have actually been, uh, I have a history of, or work history, of social work, case management, and probation. I'm, I'm working prevention now. Um, going on the fourth year. So um, the coalition is a new thing to me. Um, When we first started, we knew that Dickinson County had a problem, Um, just didn't have a whole lot of people interested in attending like these grassroots movements. Um, So in the past couple of years, what I've noticed is Uh, We've been getting the message out. We've been repeatedly saying we're number one in the state. We're number six in the nation. We're number two for uh, suicide completions within the state of Virginia. We've put up billboards and handed out information. And we had an absolutely wonderful meeting this morning. We're getting uh, the recovery community. They've jumped on board with us. Um, Commonwealth Attorney's Office, this is actually the co-chair of our coalition now. And the Office of the Attorney General, Amy Duncan, she's joined forces with us. Um, And it's because we believe in our community. We believe we're worth saving. Um, Our people are worth it. Our tagline has kind of became throughout the entire Southwest Virginia um, region is it's our community, it's our responsibility. And we've decided now, you know, we've got to invest in ourselves because our people are worth it.
3: Yep. Well and I also think that um the people that live here in in our area are very prideful people and it it's been that they don't really want to realize that there's an issue here. Uh everything's just sort of kept hush hush and now um things are going you know, things are getting worse and people are realizing that things need to be done. And I think that is that part of the coalition's um, the, the help the coalition is giving is really going to help with the community and make make people aware and what they can do to prevent this. So it's like the conversations are happening now.
1: Finally, we're talking about these things. It's okay to talk about these rem- things. removing
4: the stigma yeah. of addiction. <clears throat> that's a huge thing. Something something that's something that's really really stands true about what I'm seeing lately. That really that I want to get involved for is that in that, like Seth said earlier, this has been something around our area for decades now. And for the longest time, it's you You either go to jail or you go to an AA program and people abstinence is the way that's the treatment. Around here, if that didn't work for you, you are just shamed or pushed off like you didn't want recovery. But they're there being alternative resources explored now Different recovery programs and avenues. And I think that's 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 the big thing. You have to you have to treat this thing on many different levels, and you have to meet these people that need recovery where they are. You can't force everybody into the AA box or into the NA box. You have to different things work for different people, and it's really just now coming to light that I mean, in our in our community, that that's the reality of it.
0: So how did you get people's attention? How did you increase community awareness of the problem?
1: We have actually (laughs) taken on um, with social media because that's how everybody seems to be uh, communicating now. Our coalition, and we have a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. uh, We push out any messaging that we receive from other communities or coalitions. Um, We've done these massive billboards. Some people didn't care for them. but they were—it's the, our reality. Um, they were Dickinson County is number one in the in Virginia, number six in the nation for um, overdose death rates. And they had um, a picture of drugs, a, a silhouette of a person, and it, a tombstone. You know, so we did get some backlash from those billboards, but it got people talking about it. That's
4: sometimes what you have to do. Sometimes you got to stomp a few toes to yeah. get attention.
1: And we've also started, it's a social connectedness campaign. What we found is a lot of times um, people that are in active addiction, um, early recovery,
3: mental illness,
1: and they don't feel part of their community. And we need to include everybody. This is our community. Again, it's our responsibility. And we have called it the Kindness Matters campaign. Hmm. And that messaging in and of itself, we started this in January, where it's hashtag kindness matters. Um, That has actually brought a lot of positive attention to the coalition. We actually had some people at the table this morning during our meeting that showed up as a result of that messaging. So the social connect, I'm sorry.
0: So that's internet, broadband internet, via via mobile internet, do you Becoming more effective. I think you
2: asked a question about the mobile internet. Uh, That's what most people have around here. As far as high-speed internet goes, uh, the the lines are not stretched out into the rural parts of the county. If you live in town or close to town, you have access to high-speed internet. If
0: not, you have to get it through cell phones. I see. So your social media has actually been effective through cell phones. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Um, so we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back to our conversation. I just want to thank the people that allow us to have this conversation. So I want to ex- extend thanks to our marketing partners, uh, the Center for Rural Affairs, the National Rural Education Association, and the Ohio, Ohio Small Rural Collaborative. I also want to welcome aboard our newest marketing Partner, the Foundation for Rural Service. The Foundation for Rural Service is a 501c3 nonprofit that works in cooperation um, with the NCCA, the Rural Broadband Association, uh, to sustain and enhance the quality of life in rural America by advancing an understanding of the rural issues. So through their programs, such as scholarships, They invest in the next generation of our rural leaders, basically our young people, by giving them grants to help communities advance projects, enabling telemedicine and distance education. Uh, The foundation focuses on harnessing the power of communities and industry to enrich the lives of of rural America. So I wanted to thank them. Welcome aboard welcome the foundation for rural service on as our newest marketing partner and of course we appreciate all of our partners who help us keep this conversation going so selena let me let me transition a little bit now because you talked a little bit about grandparents now raising grandchildren and talk about how this opi- opioid crisis Actually impacted children and schools and communities around our schools.
1: One of the things um, that we we noticed, and this was through our um, middle school, we have excellent relationships with our school administrators, the coalition, and and as the behavioral health um, office of prevention. And um, so we we're allowed to go into the schools and bring in different types of programming. But the middle school in particular. Um, they had implemented a youth food pantry for their students because they noticed that in addition to some students maybe coming to school hungry, um, poor hygiene, that this was something that was needed. Well, um, as the coalition found out about this, we started speaking with other um, school administrators and noticed that this was, or verified, that this was actually a problem throughout the entire county um, mm. Now there is a youth food pantry and hygiene pantry um, in all five county schools. Um, wow, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a big project. Um, and part part of this is, is due to the poor, um, the economy and the poverty and possibly the, um, what is the um, family dynamic, the breakup of the family dynamic um, or history of it. It's it's broken down. We have grandparents raising grandchildren, and they may or may not qualify for food stamps. If they do qualify for food stamps, it's really not a whole lot. So we have these kids that are hungry. We worry about them um, on weekends or when school's not in session. So we just felt like the the food and hygiene pantry was absolutely a necessity, and we give Ridgeview Ridgeview Middle School complete credit for that for recognizing that you know problem that we had.
0: Or have. So it sounds like the community really rallied around that school.
1: Absolutely.
0: So talk a little bit about um, the Food and Rug Administration Commissioner, Scott Gottlieb. I, I think he's, I understand he's made combating the opioid crisis one of his top priorities. What do you think of, of the effort so far?
2: I guess we haven't seen really the, the I guess, ripple effect of the, the, the combating it. My understanding there's been a lot of money supposed to be funded into this. Uh, but we actually haven't seen anything yet that, I, that I'm aware of uh, from that program. I hope we do see it, and our arms are wide open to, to welcome it. Uh, just to touch what you talk about these kids that are being uh, uh, helped with some of these food pantries and stuff, they are the actual victims of the, the opiate crisis. Uh, a lot of these, their parents are the ones that were, got addicted to the pain pills. Uh, some of these kids were even substance-exposed infants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and have uh, uh, problems in school because of that, and that's the reason the grandparents. It's uh, basically those those are the victims. But we haven't seen anything, I guess at a national level from the FDA as far as Dixon County specific, unless uh, it's in some grants or something that may be coming up.
1: Now we do, and um, this is Selena again. we do we did receive some funding for um opdar. That's opiate uh, prevention treatment, and recovery money. It's federal funding. Um, prevention was tasked with building capacity within our communities, collaborating with other people, agencies, businesses, um to bring them to the table as you know with our grassroots effort, and also to do some doctor education, the prescription drug monitoring program, and explore um alternative treatments. um everybody throughout I think the entire state of Virginia was awarded some funding. Um, what we we found, we discovered this device, um, actually another coalition member did, and I'm not going to plug what it is, uh, because that's not what this is about, but it's an alternative treatment to prescribing opiates. Um, it's, based, it's essentially electrocranial magnetic therapy. It's got another big, long name. And we actually have this machine in four doctor's offices and one licensed therapist office. Um, and they're collecting data data for us. ETSU has partnered with us, and they're going to do a report. Our hope is the patients that were receiving this alternative treatment, that's one less prescription of opiates, you know, that a doctor was writing.
0: I was going to ask you, what is what do you think the most effective way or some of the most effective ways are of getting addicts um, to reduce or even stop their use of opiates?
1: That's I think that's one of the misconceptions. is It's not a one answer fixes all. Um, and you could probably speak way better. It's
4: it's very it's that's very true. It's it's never never there's never one easy answer for trying to get anybody to give it up. And and really, when you're dealing with addiction, and it's it turn it turns into you have to address it the right way, or it's, a lot of times it can be misconstrued as shaming. And that that really is it, it. It really has a negative effect rather than positive. But you, the biggest thing really to help is to show compassion, and to me, uh, you have to address it on each level. Like you have you have addiction on with nineteen to twenty one year olds. That's different than addiction for twenty five to thirty year olds. It's different than addiction with thirty and above. It, and all of those have to be treated on I mean addressed on different levels. And one of the really big things, like I said a little bit earlier, is meeting those people where they are and not trying to force them into what you think is right for them. Right.
0: Now tell me again who this is that's speaking now?
4: Jason Dotson. And what do you do? I right now really just trying to help. I mean, I'm I'm still struggling a little bit. I'm I'm beyond the the really difficult stages of recovery as far as cravings and like any real severe problems. But I still, three years out, I I suffer with anxiety and insomnia. It's it's really just important to me to try to try to have a voice of addiction heard from a first person standpoint, which. And you don't see that a whole lot in the communities that are trying to address issue. So
0: Jason, how did you find help?
4: Who helped you? Well, for, for leaving the substance, there was, I was, I was in a methadone maintenance program for a little over seven years and I had a wonderful counselor. Uh, he was, he was really, he was full of great insight and he was just he was he was a great guy that taught me that I didn't need anybody else to give me answers or to I didn't have to quit on anybody else's time. He taught me that everything instead of looking outward or upward for answers to start looking within and to accept that whenever I was ready for recovery and to leave the methadone behind that I would know it. Other, aside from that, the the maintenance program actually itself, I feel like they tried to keep just keep me coming back. So once once the once he helped me to those realizations, I left that program with take home medicine that they gave me and done the the detox on my own. So if
0: someone's feeling like they're alone and. Uh... Isolated. What's your best advice on how to find help?
4: Reach, it, reach out to anybody, really. I mean, it's hard when the, when somebody's feeling alone. at just having somebody else there to tell them to share their experience and let them know that they're not, and then you know, the only person affected in that way by it is is important. But who to turn to? That's a that's really it's really hard. That's a very personal thing for them, I, and I really don't know without, without letting them figure out the person they want to turn to on their own without causing further harm.
0: Now, Selina, are there community resources around that people should be aware of?
1: Absolutely. Um, we have a huge regional resource directory that is on our um, regional coalition page, and that's www dot stop substance abuse dot com it's a wonderful large resource directory and if you're from dickinson county Buchanan county it's a drop down menu it's easy to navigate you can go to your local behavioral health or community service board there's national hotline numbers Um, it's a great resource
0: excellent so really any of our listeners could go there and find resources nationally or if they live in your area so give us that website again.
1: www.stopsubstanceabuse.com.
0: Excellent. Okay, so we're we're almost out of time here, but I just I just want to give you all a parting chance to to um you know, express anything more you want to say today. I really appreciate you being on the program to, t- to talk about an important topic.
1: We appreciate you having us. Um, one thing that um, I would like to say is I would like for <laughs> our legislators uh, to realize that Virginia does not stop at Roanoke, Whistful, or Abingdon. Um, we're a small community. Um, we're worth it. We've got some hard-working people here. Our agriculture is phenomenal, top-notch, and we've decided we're going to invest in ourselves and, and we're going to be that voice and we're going to make them listen to us. We we need some help here. I
2: echo what she says and everybody's got to come to the table. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody can be left out. Uh, uh, everybody that's affected by this needs to come, quit sitting at the house On your butts, uh,
3: come out and and fight this with us. Uh, And this is Amy Duncan with the AG's office. And I just want to say that um, throughout Virginia, um, the the problems are completely different no matter where you go, from the cities who are facing the heroin epidemic um, all the way down to the Roanoke area. Um, From Roanoke down, we're not seeing a lot of heroin yet because our prescribers are still prescribing the pills it's getting a little bit better. Um, so I would say within the next year or so, um, heroin will be an issue here in our part of the state. So we just need to um, to realize that just opioids in general, whether it's pills, um, prescri- um, prescription pills, or heroin, needs to be addressed in the same way. And um, we also still have um, mess down in our area, and it needs to be addressed as well.
0: Very important. So thank you uh, all for joining uh, me today. And all of our listeners, if this is an important topic in your area, certainly reach out to your elected officials to to advocate for the needs of your community. Before we wrap up, I want to thank our producers, Michael Levin Epstein and Susan Sempolis for helping to produce today's Rural Matters podcast. And I want to thank our newest marketing partner, the Foundation for Rural Service, and our other marketing partners, the Center for Rural Affairs, the National Education Association, and the Ohio Small Rural Collaborative. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I look forward to to joining you again the next time on the Role Matters podcast. Uh, Selena, Seth, Amy, Jason, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being our guests, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All right, everyone, have a good day.